Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. The announcement two months ago that Los Angeles art lawyer Joshua Roth would be joining United Talent Agency set off a tremendous amount of interest about his new role. In this interview, Roth talks about the ways in which he hopes to work with artists, the role marketing can play in contemporary art culture, Los Angeles, and the place of curators in the new global art ecosystem. Josh, why don't you start off by telling us about your new role at UTA as an artist's agent? Sure. Well, the the genesis of this new role at UTA really began several years ago um, as I'm an attorney representing artists and also working with their galleries in doing different commercial deals that come up and, and face artists, you know, on a on a on a day-to-day basis so you know over the over the 10 or so years that i've been working with artists as as a you know as an advocate um really had the opportunity to help uh them with you know a variety of different deals and scenarios and among them are dealing with uh you know something as simple as consignment agreements or helping them to you know, lease or buy studio spaces, basic things, setting up corporations, and then on the more advanced, uh, you know, end of the spectrum, um, you know, there, there, there would be um, occasions where I would work with artists on, um, you know, funding or financing arrangements for for major projects, um, licensing uh, deals with, you know, um, corporate entities, whether it be in fashion or or other media. Um, and things of that nature. And, you know, over over the last 10 years, as things have become, you know, increasingly more complicated and, and both from the way that people view art and the way that people consume art. And, and there's there's, I think, now more than ever, um, you know, more ways that people view and consume art, whether it's, you know, digitally um, or the traditional way of walking into the art galleries. Um, you know, the, 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 the practice as a lawyer, I, I saw that, you know, it, it became, um, you know, it just became more frequent that we would be dealing with these over the last several years and sort of boiling into a fever pitch in the last year or two. And I kind of identified, uh, you know, at, at a certain point, I really identified, you know, there's a need for someone who can help artists in supporting, you know, from a, from a very basic transactional support to, to, um, you know, helping them make the deals that, that they want to make. Um, and also trying to help source and identify other opportunities. And for us at UTA, you know, that, and I, and I think it's very important to emphasize this to people is that, you know, what we do at UTA is it's sort of in addition to the gallery and it takes place outside of the gallery. It's projects that take place outside of the four walls of a gallery. So, you know, our, our mission statement at UTA then would be to connect artists to opportunities outside of the gallery. And that means, you know, bridging the gap between the studio and the entertainment media and fashion worlds. Um, and also to to provide them with the like I said transactional deal support to, to actually do the paperwork that comes along with that, um, you know. And interestingly enough, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. 
Oh, no, I, 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 I was just going to follow up on that. I, I mean, there are two things that come out of what you just said to me. One, it seems to almost follow the model that's risen in Hollywood where there's uh, an agency but also a manager uh, now for the talent, and they do similar but, but different responsibilities. Uh, and it, And though you're emphasizing the sort of you're you're looking at the the role outside of what the gallery currently uh, covers. There's also the sense that in d many artists have multiple galleries that represent them around the world. That they need a, a in somewhat a advice and a second opinion in managing those gallery uh, relationships. That you're almost I know you're at an agency, but it's almost in this instance you're acting like a manager. Uh, yeah, to a certain extent, yes. I mean, really, the, the agent's job is to be another voice amongst um, other, you know, important voices in an artist or creator's camp. Um, but, you know, the, the agent is someone who identifies sources and facilitates relationships and makes connections between different parties. Um, and, and I think it's, it's an, you know, as you mentioned, today's entertainment landscape it's very common for an, uh, an actor or a writer or director to have, you know, both a manager and an agent and they're performing complementary, but also very, you know, distinct tasks from one another. So, you know, there's a, there's a, a tremendous amount of really incredible galleries in the world. You know, internationally speaking, you have, you have dozens of top notch galleries that have great staffs and what they do to support the artist and the artist's career and helping to bring to fruition exhibitions um, and to kind of stoke the conversation in the context of, you know, academics and, and critics and, and to really put it in, put the artist's work into context that it needs to be put into context. Um, you know, those are things that UTA or any agency for that matter really, you know, can't do by itself. I mean, you know, we don't have an exhibition space and we don't plan to open one. So, you know, you really need to have um, these galleries performing their essential function. The agent, though, can, to the extent that it's natural to be incorporated into that relationship, and, and that's something maybe we can circle back to, like how you figure out what the, what the agents, artists, and galleries places with each other. Um, you know, to the extent that we fit into that, you know, we, we can be another important voice. We can also be something, uh, 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 we could be someone or a group of people to, to lean on for support to get things done. So, you know, it's, and, and each artist and each artist studio and each artist gallery relationship, it's, they're very different. Um, it's certainly not one size fits all. Some are very, some artists are very independent. Um, some are very dependent. Um, on their galleries. And, you know, from, from my perspective, you know, there's so many incredible artists out in the world today. I mean, you know, there's, there, there are dozens and dozens of artists who, who, you know, make a, a real difference, um, you know, uh, in the, in the conversation of art history today, and maybe dozens and dozens is actually under quantifying this, this, um, this number, but there's a lot, you know, enough. And UTA wants to be involved with the artists and who are very excited about the prospect of having another tool, another resource to, uh, to use. And we want to be involved with artists and galleries that are, you know, where everybody's mutually supportive. 
I think as an agent, the last thing you want to do is be involved in a situation where there's hostility from a gallery or from an artist, obviously. So, no, and that makes that makes a great deal of sense. Uh, not only because this is a world that's been around for a number of years, and you're not going to reinvent it uh, in one fell swoop. Uh, and and secondly, as you said, there, there everyone has a different set of needs. Uh, you know, there are people who are beginning to sort of perform almost a similar role for artists' estates, which I assume too is something that you'd uh, uh, either are looking to, to do or would oh, be yeah, willing certainly. to do. But, of course, yeah. But I guess I, before we get circle back to the relationships, and I think there's a myriad things that can be discussed, especially in this highly global uh, art world. Um, can we talk a bit about the non-gallery, uh, you know, art uh, demand out there? You mentioned dealing with uh, fashion and uh, media. Can you? Put a little sort of flesh on that. Uh, are, I mean, we've seen uh, LVMH do these collaborations with with, with artists, but is, is there something that you know is is being often talked about or approached that we're not seeing publicly? Well, it's it's gr- that one segment of the artist brand collaboration that that one segment of sort of like extracurricular activities, if you want to call it that, like things that take place outside of galleries. Um, you know, that's, that's one sort of narrow slice of what's out there today, but it is a meaningful, it is a meaningful category of growth for artists. And I think on, on, on two sides. So if you look at from the artist perspective, you know, most of them want to connect with large cross sections of the population in a cool, interesting way. And the idea that you can partner with a brand who you identify with, who you believe in, and who, you know, most importantly, especially at the outset, that you have a sort of creative understanding with. Um, the idea that you could, if you're Takashi Murakami or Yayoi Kusama or Richard Prince with LVMH, um, you know, the idea that you can reach so many more people who might, who, you know, let's let's be honest, I mean, to buy those artists' artworks, you have to be part of a very select group of the population, you know, the, the upper 1%. Um, but sure. to buy a handbag, of course, or to buy some interesting product uh, from the Louis Vuitton store that has the artist imprint on it, you can connect with millions of people. And I think that for some artists, that's, that's a very exciting proposition. Um, so they get to be creative. They get to... You know, they get to engage with a lot of people who would never otherwise get to, you know, see their art um, except for in a gallery or in a museum. And they get to own it and, and have a piece of that, which is really exciting. Um, and then from the brand side, you know, there there are a number of brands. And, and LVMH is a great example of a company that, that you know, company-wide, if you look at all their brands, they've done, you know, they've done some great work with artists. And they they look at it as you know, a value proposition. They look at it as something that's fun and exciting from their side. They get to connect with with new buyers. They get to establish deeper relationships with their existing customers. They differentiate their product, um, you know, and certainly art is something that's typical of the most elite segments of, you know, the, of the population. So to have some kind of cross-pollination with art, to rub shoulders with it, um, I just think it enriches their brand. 
So oh, I, I, yeah. that that I think has sort of already been proven, and I and we've seen it sort of barbelled. There's the the ex very expensive handbags, and then there's the Uniqlo uh, uh, t-shirts and and hoodies. Mm -hmm. And again, I think you know both of those are great examples of the way that someone who's created uh, imagery that is. Um, you know, recognizable, but also uh, a startling and new and enhances either the object or just the, the experience makes sure. a great deal of sense. And, you know, it, it fits within the taxonomy of what artists do, you know, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's prints or, uh, you know, Picasso ceramics. I mean, certainly the, there's, there's a, a long tradition uh, of artists working in other media. But but I guess what I was asking, or I'm curious to hear, is beyond those, and maybe those are more than enough, Is are there other things out there that we haven't uh, heard about yet uh, that, that, there's, that you're hearing from the demand side, that they're looking for artists to make, uh, you know, I don't know, ringtones. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I have yeah, a the, meager the imagination, so I'm, I'm, like I'm just curious yeah. what, what else there is out there uh, in, in all of this that um, yeah, what, UTA what and you think is... Yet? Well, so the, the brands now... So the nature of marketing itself, I think, is evolving. And, you know, nowadays you see these aspirational brands. They're not necessarily only doing projects with artists where you have a bag that's got, you know, Murakami cherries on it or the fish eyes, they may actually go to an artist and say, okay, you know, because experiential marketing and creating an environment that has been touched or, or influenced by an artist where, where consumers can interact with it is also something that's happening. So you might see the unveiling of a major, uh, uh, a new car or a, or a new model, let's say, for a major car company and that car company might go to an artist and say, help us create an environment to launch this new product. Uh, maybe help us influence what our print advertising or our video advertising might look like. Maybe, um, you know, creative direct for us in that way. Maybe it's pr the production of a, of a, of a live event, you know, at the Detroit auto show. And, and this is an example I'm, I'm purely just making up, but, it's similar to other things I've heard and about, and and other deals that we're sort of working on. So, so, you know, so it's, it's like it's not the, that far of a stretch. It's like the Marilyn Minter Tesla, where the whole launch of of the next uh, uh, project is a is an, a, a surround experience with you know uh, striking visuals or Pippoliti Reese, you know the, these uh, you know just sort of striking uh, image and experience kind of things. Yeah, and, and that's and that's that's indicative of the evolution of, of marketing and, and how do you connect with, with, you know, your consumer? How can you make a lasting imprint in somebody's mind um, so that your product is something that they remember and they think about when it comes time for them to make a purchase? No, you know, and that's, I, I mean, I think yeah. it's, it was so clear about the art world overall is that, you know, and we've seen this with artists like, um, uh, Coons and Murakami and Damian Hurst and certainly Warhol that the the ability to have a large volume of material 
is part of how uh, you, you, you span this global art market and bring more people in. And it's been hard up till now for people to come up with enough different ways to generate material, whether it's a large workshop or it's, you know, working in, in different media. But you, you're, you're almost talking about, in fashion terms, sort of the diffusion brand, uh, you know, having something that's related to the artist, but not necessarily an artifact created by, by the artist. Well, that, I mean, look, the, the, there's a lot of different types of projects out there in the world. Um, you know, there's the good, the bad in the middle. And, you know, for certain artists, the diffusion brands can make sense and can be a natural extension of their, you know, artistic process or their expression. Um, and for some diffusion just doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't ever want to see, and it wouldn't make sense to have John Curran do a you know a, a t shirt with unique low. I mean, I don't think um, a, a skateboard deck with Supreme. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? Supreme though is a special category. It seems like artists, um, they, you know, from Jeff Koons to John Baldessari to Raymond Pettibone, who are really extraordinary artists, you know, contemporary artists have have gravitated towards supreme so that's sort of an outlier but but yeah other brands like you know um some of the the less iconic brands i think personally from my own philosophical standpoint i think as an agent and in concert with the artist and whoever else are their key advisors whether it be their gallery or their wife or their accountant whoever it is you know i think you have to try to curate to the best of your ability uh opportunities that make the most sense because as as someone who represents artists you have a distinct interest in seeing their career maintain credibility and you have you know an interest in the longevity of their careers and you know to the extent that you see a project that comes up and it just doesn't make sense whether it's putting a, a, a you know a John Curran together with the gap and, you know, you're talking about this project or target and, and it just seems it just seems wrong for all the wrong reasons. I mean, that's the great part about having sort of these, these, you know, another voice in the mix with with the artists in the galleries is that, you know, you can try to filter through some of that. So I, I think that, you know, that's that is, it's interesting because that's been one of the sort of criticisms that I've heard about an agency getting involved with the art world. And, and it raises a couple important points to me, which is one, you know, artists, they do something special that most people can't do, which is they create a narrative in a unique way that, you know, that quite frankly, I couldn't do. And, and you know, I'm sure you couldn't do, you know. And, Definitely and, not. I don't, yeah, I don't know your creative skills, but I'm just saying, like, you know, that, it, if it, I have yeah. them, they don't lie in that 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 area. <laughs> Me either. So they do something very special, and they like to create. And if if consumer America wants to brush up against that, why why limit them from doing what they do? Why limit them from an aspect of what might be something cool that they do for their job? Why why should we censor that? Exactly. Can we just switch gears for a second and maybe have you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, you know, you grew up uh, in a family that was interested and in collected art, uh, and I think that informs what you, you're doing now. Yeah, my, my, my mother, um, you know, 
he's a sort of uh, aspiring painter. And so I kind of grew up watching her do her thing. She's not someone who's ever shown in any kind of gallery setting. She's not a famous artist by any means. But um, and she would love that I'm talking about her art right now. But so and my father's an art collector and he's somebody who's involved with the museums out here in Los Angeles. So as children, my sisters and I would always go to art galleries and to museums. And that's it's funny. We always laugh about this at family dinners because we invariably the conversation will turn towards gallery shows or museum shows that we've seen or things that we've read. So we're kind of art nerds in our family that way. And for for better or worse, that's just the way we grew up. So, you know, at a certain point, you know, you become indoctrinated into, you know, the the fine art world and you know the rhythms and the cadences of what it's like, you know, w w the things that I mean, it's a very distinct world, the the fine art world. It's very kind of closed off. It's it's relatively small. And, you know, it's a little bit suspicious of outsiders um, or maybe a lot of suspicious of outsiders. And so it, the more time you spend in it, the more immersed you are, I think, into the culture of, you know, uh, of it. And so, you know, I, I went to law school after college and uh, immediately after I passed the bar, someone who I know in the art world asked me to do a contract for them um, and said, you know, you should doing this full-time is your job because there's there's really not that many people doing it and particularly not in Los Angeles and then so my professional experiences have been exclusively in that in that realm so when I and the agency started the conversations of how we would do this you know the thing that I kept my mantra that I kept going back to was it's important that you know, and and this is you know something that they agree with me. The 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 you know the the senior manager here at UTA of course agrees with, is that there's a real sensitivity that has to be paid to the ecosystem of of the art world, in terms of the structure as it is right now. Um, how do we make that better? How do we how do we be additive to that? Um, how can we help facilitate interesting projects that have you know where there's a sensitivity to what's right for people. And I think they trust me and, and I think a lot of my clients and a lot of the people that I have just personal relationships also know that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not someone who, you know, is coming to this, you know, right now. It's, we're not just declaring um, a, a business into an art world. This is, this is really born out of, you know, a passion and a devotion to kind of doing this the right way. You didn't just discover art, uh, uh two years ago and decide that no. there's a killing to be made. So no. for, take, take a, a, a second though, and uh, talk to me a bit about two things, both LA as a place where there are now many significant artists and there are certainly many significant collectors and there are increasingly significant museums. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're used to there being collectors within the entertainment industry, both on both sides. You know, there's some famous actor uh, collectors and sure. there are some very well-known um, uh, producers who are uh, uh, great uh, uh, collectors. And I mm -hmm. get the sense over the last few years that in as you get sort of deeper into the industry it, it itself, agencies, lawyers, you know, there are many more people uh, who are collecting and are participating in, in, in this uh, out there. And, and I'm just sort of curious about, you know, the specifically L.A. culture around art, but also contemporary art. 
Well, it's funny. I think the exodus of artists and creative people and, and even galleries from around the world, from their home place to their homes to here, uh, or the influx, if we want to call it that, from you know foreign places to here, is really simple. It's There's great quality of life out here. There's incredible weather. I mean, every phone call I have for the last four months over the winter, you know, with somebody in New York starts out with how bad it is there and how good it is here. <laughs> so it, it, it makes sense. A lot of artists and people are moving out here because they see, okay, this would be a great place to live and to work. And another thing is economics. It's cheaper to have bigger space out here. So, you know, if you're an artist in the city, in New York City, you know, you are paying a multiple in terms of your rent and living costs and studio, um, you know, uh, studio costs in terms of your, 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 your labor costs and, you know, your taxes and things like that. You're paying a multiple of that in New York than you would be here. You get more space for less. So I think that's the big reason of why people are coming out here. Um, and it's created this environment where, you know, we have so, so many more people who are contributing to the creative conversation here. Um, and, and it's, and it's, it's just this reached this saturation point where, you know, because we have more galleries and more artists that, you know, every weekend there is something else that's great to see. And it has it wasn't that way 20 years ago. It wasn't that way when 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 my sisters and I were growing up in, in the city. It was less so. There were fewer great galleries. And, and most of the time, you know, if you wanted to see a world class show, you would go to London um, or some you know major city in Europe or, of course, New York. Um, now, so in addition to that, I think there's more people who are buying art here and there's more people who are getting engaged even philanthropically. And that, that increase in the population is proportionate to, I think, just the global increase of people who are participating and want to get involved. I mean, and art has become such a significant way for, for us to bond with each other and to, you know, to have, to, to, to learn about stories and tell stories and, and interact with each other. And, and that's a great thing. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, there's, there's more people participating in the conversation now. I think that's, you know, goes back to why UTA fine arts is something that is, you know, more important now than it's ever been to help try to make those connections in a meaningful way. And, and, um, I, I think, you know, if done the right way, these, you know, more can be better. So when you first um, announced that you were moving to UTA, part of the announcement was that you were going to take some time to talk to people and listen and think this through, that you weren't just sort of coming out of the gate with a, a program, as it were. were. Mm -hmm. uh, you've now been at it, I don't know, a month or two, uh, uh, maybe a little longer? Yeah, about two months. Yeah, about two months. Do you have a better sense of where you think this is going, either on the kinds of artists who might uh, gravitate towards uh, needing an agent or the, the, the other opportunities that might come through you to bring back towards artists? We do, yeah. And I think we had a general sense of it, and, and, and some of our, our you know ideas have been confirmed. A few other things have come up as we've talked to artists and galleries and Kind of found out, you know, where the where the big needs are. I mean, we've been fortunate to sit down with uh, a number of, you know, really great artists who have been very receptive to uh, to the platform and who want to know more and who want to, you know, continue conversations with us. I mean, you know, the the last thing 
I want to do, and I've been in the personal service business for a while, is you know you don't you don't want to rush people, you don't want to cram things down their throats. You want to you know know people. You want to in this particular case, one of the things I want to do is you know with the artists that we're that that I'm close to that I've represented as a lawyer is you really engage them and you find out what are the types of projects that they want, what kinds of things they open to, what sort of things do they not like. Um, you know, uh, and then on the flip side, when you're working with the agency and you're dealing with, you know, some of our branding clients and, and finding out what sort of opportunities out there, then you can kind of connect the dots. So we've been kind of steadily going through that process and, you know, we have a few things that, you know, now we're, we're fortunate enough to have a couple of great things going. We're not going to announce them yet. We're going to let the, we're going to let the, 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 the projects as they come out for now speak for themselves and. And there's a couple of interesting things coming down the, the pike that we're excited about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a process of refinement. Uh, we're certainly not trying to rush into anything. We want to be very circumspect about, about how this works. And, you know, most importantly right now, we want to, you know, we want to talk to people. We want to sort of educate them. We want to answer questions and, and find out where we can be helpful. And is there any sort of fantasy uh, uh, client out there, someone who would be sort of you, if they were listening to this, you you'd hope would pick up the phone and call you? Uh, there's a few, and I, I wouldn't want to say one name to alienate other people, but there there are definitely there are definitely a few, and we've talked to a lot of them, and they know who they are, <laughs> and um, you know I think. We we're we're focused right now on on sort of the the top end of the of the of the, of the spectrum. Um, you know, we're building also one of the other things that I'm doing here right now is we are we are building a team of people, um, are, you know, to be part of our fine arts department and to also function within the agency, who who have great artist relationships and who. Um, <clears throat> who understand the the sensitivities uh, that uh, that you know the things that we're sensitive towards um, the issues that I've already explained. That's that's um, interesting. Can you describe like some of their backgrounds? I'm assuming they're not all, all lawyers like you. Are they? No, no, they're not. No, they're not. So you know, people who um, I I have a tendency to like people with academic backgrounds um, who have curatorial backgrounds and. You know, there, there are a lot of really great artist uh, representatives who have worked in both the gallery and the museum worlds. And, you know, I think what you want is you want to create an environment where your clients are, um, where, they're, where they're comfortable and they feel secure and they feel that they have people who really understand them. So that's kind of generally the, the, the one category of people uh, that we're talking to. And, and then in addition to that, you know, we also are, are are close to expanding the team on a couple fronts with people who can do, who are great at blocking and tackling and helping artists realize big projects. Um, you know, whether they're whether they're commissions, you know, being part of a a team to help facilitate big projects, which there seems to be more demand for, and and are, are also large logistical nightmares. Yeah, and really, I mean, like a lot of the galleries that I worked with as a lawyer. And the artists that I worked with as a lawyer, when they would be faced with big licensing projects or, you know, big creative directing projects or even big public or private commissions, you know, one is the contract side of it, which is, 
you know, which is, you know, it's a bit like kryptonite in the art world. People get something that's, you know, more than two or three pages and they, they their sort of eyes glaze over. Um, well, it's getting better, but but in the past it was definitely like that. Um, and, and so we want to be able to make this as painless as possible for the folks that we're working with. So if, if we're bringing somebody a, a major project, we want to have the people in place with us that can, that can get those, get the, the day-to-day tasks done from, from the inception till the time that the project is completed. So, so it's a service as well as, uh, you know, service oriented, you know, um, aspect to what we're doing as well. That, and that, that makes a great deal of, uh, of sense. And let me just uh, rewind for a second back to the curators. That makes me think uh, there's an, a place for uh, someone to package uh, shows for museums. There are now so many of them, public and private. Uh, and and there are many more of these sort of uh, curators at large, or you know, um, rock star curators. As uh, for for better yeah. or ill, they 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 take a lot of heat. They also generate a lot of uh, uh, interest. That also sure. seems to me within what you're doing, being able to uh, create interesting projects either for an artist or for a group of artists and package them and have them move around the world is, is something that's not necessarily being done, but there seems to be more demand for certainly private galleries. We're seeing the way, you know, uh, Gagosian runs these shows that have, uh, draw huge audiences that there's, there's yeah. demand. He, no, he's, and he's, he's brilliant with that. Um, what he's done with John Richardson and, and Picasso, I mean, you know, it's 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 very it's a very significant thing that he's done. I mean, he's taken, you know, probably the world's foremost expert in Picasso, um, you know, someone who knows more than anyone who's written the definitive books on Picasso. And he has, you know, helped shed new light on bodies of work that were maybe underappreciated. I mean, that, that's, that's from, from what he's done in that regard, and he's done it with a few artists, I think is, is actually rather brilliant, and I think a lot of people would agree. Um, so the curators, though, are also an underrepresented group of people, I think, in the art landscape, and that's another sort of category of people that we're interested in helping, whether it's helping to facilitate projects that they generate or, or, or finding other opportunities for them. I think curators are are a very important group within the you know within the art world, and um, you know we so are that, very sensitive to that to that group. That and that sort of opens the possibility if you can put it together correctly for the sort of curator as intellectual and even business entrepreneur. And a lot of them are already, um, and you know they're they're almost in in many ways equivalent to. Uh, film directors in the in the movie business or 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 even maybe sometimes film producers you know you you talk to curators a lot of these visionary curators and you know if you really sat down with them you said give me your three your top three shows that you haven't you know tell me your top three shows that you haven't made yet i mean they'll give you they'll go one two three through brilliant ideas and you'll go oh my god i can't believe that hasn't happened yet and you know you can't you can't really package things and give it to a museum because Really, programming and content is typically generated internally. Um, but what you can do, if you're us, is you can marry together the right sponsors um, or people or sympathetic people who want to fund into those shows. Um, and, and there's a very rich universe of that. 
And when you come to curators, you know, and you're and you're looking for a way to enhance what they're doing, you know, if if you're part of their conversation and you're part of their universe, they're part of yours. You can sometimes, when when appropriate, you can help them realize those those programming ideas. That that makes the most sense, uh, at least to me. Of uh, again about this thing about breaking out of the boundaries. It, 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 the museum attendance is is uh, uh, through the roof, and uh, now everyone complains about uh, museums being overcrowded, and it feels sure. like the, there's there there's this thing of bursting the the channels and wanting to get into other places. And if you can bring those those pieces together, it would literally create you know opportunities for either more or or different venues. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago about Los Angeles. I mean, there are just so many more people who are, who are engaged right now. So, you know, this is a great time. This is, this is sort of a, a golden age for, for the art industry. Yes. I mean, that, uh, I think obvious, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's actually almost the, the other way around it. it there are fantastic things happening, but because it involves a lot of change and uh, new people coming in, it's destabilizing and, and people feel, um, you know, uh, uncertain about it. Uh, and, and the money seems to be part of the, the thing that people fret about most, but they're ignoring the flip side of it, which is just the huge numbers of people who participate or, and are conversant. I mean, what, what, I mean, this is sort of off our, our subject. Um, but what they've done in Grand Rapids is, is, uh, fascinating to, to me. And, you know, whether you like the art that gets chosen or not is less important than that art is a centerpiece of a huge, uh, event that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people show up for to participate sure. in. It's absolutely true. I mean, you know, a, a lot of a lot of what people do in the art world is, or people in general, is they project their values, their their value system onto, um, you know, in this case, I think a lot of very, you know, sort of the top end of the art world, or not the top end. What's the right way to say this? The uh, the the elite of the art world are projecting their values onto artists and onto uh, a, 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 an actual kind of set of circumstances, and we're making a value judgment about whether that's good or bad. I, I think it's unfair to do that for a lot of reasons. I mean, this this is sort of all happening organically. You 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 know, the few cannot control the tide of what's actually happening here, um, and and I don't think it's very meaningful necessarily to deny that it's happening or to. You know, to look at it, um, you know, just with outright uh, disdain. I, I think you you have to look at things on a case by case basis, and you also have to look at the sort of positive aspect of what we've been saying, which is that this is a great moment for artists. More people are seeing their work. More people care about it. More people are reading about it, thinking about it, and and you know, more people are buying it, and that's great for the galleries and the artists. And and I think it's a great thing. I mean, you know. That's just my personal opinion. So, Josh, thank you for uh, walking us through this. It's been fascinating. A pleasure. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Artelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com. 